everyone welcome back to another episode of clutch crew sports this is eric the ranting co-host here it's going to be uh zach and i in this episode connor is busy his carolina hurricanes are playing in game seven of the uh what is this like the conference semifinals i guess you'd call it uh <laughs> i don't know why my mind blanked on that but but so, yeah, Connor's busy with that. Hopefully his team wins and he has a good time. Uh, but for today's episode, this is going to be about the NBA Finals getting ready to start. And we're also going to talk about the Mavericks and the Heat, the teams who have just been eliminated. Uh, we'll talk about their futures and their, you know, what happened in their current series and stuff like that. So we've got a lot to get into here, a lot to break down. Uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, let me introduce you to the rest of the crew. What's up, everyone? Zach here. I'm excited to do, I believe this is our fourth uh, NBA Finals coverage on the podcast. I know it all began with the Raptors-Warriors series, and the Warriors are back in. So uh, it's just Eric and I uh, throwback to the uh, the original episode of Clutch Crew Sports here. Yeah, and unfortunately, I remember in that initial episode of Clutch Crew Sports, you dogged my thunder pretty hard in that one. So... <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, without that's crazy. If you want to just listen to like a absolute cringe fest, though, in a way, like just go back and listen to our first couple episodes, and we did not really know what we were doing at all. It was uh, it was rough, but we've learned a lot from that. And like Zach said, this is our fourth NBA Finals that we'll be talking about. So it's our third year as a podcast. It's been fun, and uh, looking forward to continuing to do it. We've been dishing out a lot of content lately between uh connor's nhl videos zach's nba playoff game breakdowns when he's been available and my DraftKings videos and stuff we've had a lot going on so if you like what you're seeing you know like the channel and or like subscribe to the channel like our videos leave comments and uh and we've been appreciating the latest viewership we've been getting our numbers have definitely been going up so uh, definitely thankful for that. So we're going to go around the hoop here before we get to the NBA finals. Uh, we're first going to talk about the teams that just lost. So we're going to start with the Dallas Mavericks. And what I wanted to talk about with them is they are going to have a very interesting future here. Um, they've got a lot of players that are not necessarily costing a ton of money, but you know, when you add them all up, it, is a lot overall. Um, a lot of these guys, I think, are overpaid for the production value that they're bringing to the table. But they also need to get Luca, you know, some more help. I especially think they need to get a. They really need help at the big man position to really help him because their backcourt's pretty solid. But they also have a problem with Jalen Brunson hitting free agency, and he's going to be targeting 20, 20 to twenty five million uh, per year. Is what I'm seeing. So there's just a lot to break down here, but it's kind of all on the same topic together. But um, Zach, I'll start with you here uh, and ask you if so, if you're let's just kind of co-GM this together here, I guess. So, yeah. like, if we're the Dallas Mavericks, you know, management, you know, in your opinion, would you want to bring Jalen Brunson back at the price tag that he is assuming it's 20 to 25 million, like? Are we bringing him back? Are we letting him walk? Do we try to do a sign-in trade? Um, what is your opinion here on this? And then I'll I'll let, I'll give you my feedback here. 
Yeah. My opinion, I think if we can't, like the 20 and 25, I would definitely do it. Um, it's hard to get star players in free agency. They usually don't hit free agency. Um, you'd have to trade for them a disgruntled one or, you know, go to the draft to get your superstars. But he Brunson's a very, very good player. I think he showed in the playoffs kind of that he's on the rise. So in my opinion, I think other teams are going to really overpay him possibly, or, you know, be very desperate and he will be one of the best free agents. Um, so 20 to 25, I would definitely consider bringing him back for that. Um, I don't think that's the only move they should do, but that's the first one I'd start with. Yeah, I think he's the priority, and and I'm in agreement here with you. I, I think they need to do everything they can to keep him. Um, the, only, the the problem we have, though, is if we, you know, again, we're the Mavericks co-GMs here, so if, if we bring him back, we're going to be well into the luxury tax at this point, which is the problem. Uh, I mean, luckily, our owner, Mark Cuban, he's filthy rich and wants to win at all costs. So he would probably be willing to do it, but um, that is a lot. But the problem is, it's like, what are we going to do with like the, all these guys like, like Bertans and Powell and Hardaway and Bullock and Finney Smith, like all these guys that are making anywhere from like nine to 20, almost $20 million you know, because a lot of these guys, like, I don't think their trade value is going to be very high. Like, Tim Hardaway's the most expensive of these guys I'm talking about, and he's coming off an injury. And a lot of these other guys play, like, very minimal minutes or only average, like, five to ten points a game. Like, are we stuck here? Do we have options? Like, what do you think we do here with these a lot of these other guys that still have these contracts. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm no, I'm, I'm definitely not a cap genius. <laughs> That's not my stuff. <laughs> Don't uh, worry. I'm, Eric, I'm the baller on a budget here, so I can help yeah, you with yeah. that. You know, <laughs> I'm, the the, I'm the talent evaluator here. Uh, but yeah, I, I think some of them are definitely gonna have to go Dinwiddie, Honestly, Dinwiddie's one that I think they could trade. I know he's bounced around a lot of teams recently, but he's one I think I just don't know how well he fits because wasn't he coming off the bench as like a sixth man for them? Yeah, I mean, unless if we aren't able to keep Brunson, like if we're not able to keep Brunson, then we need to keep Dinwiddie for sure, I think. I mean, but if if assuming we re-sign Brunson then he is more expendable and he probably wants to be a starter anyway. Like his situation kind of reminds me uh, of what happened with my Oklahoma city thunder when they had, you know, Chris Paul and Shea and Schroeder and Schroeder really wanted to be a starter. He didn't want to be that six man anymore. And so they, of course they gave him away for nothing, but uh, you know, but they were able to trade him and, you know, I'm sure there would be a team out there that, would give up something kind of good for Dinwiddie if we felt like we didn't want to keep him because, you know, he is a good, he is a good guard. He's been a starter before he did good for the Maver- He's done good for the Mavericks off the bench. So he, I think out of the, all these guys would definitely be the best player to trade in terms of, you know, getting a good value for him. 
But these other guys, I just don't know, man. I don't know if anybody would really want them or if we would have to, you know, say, you know, especially like Bertans, you know, like with that 16 million. I mean, if we were going to trade him, like we would probably have to give up, you know, some first round picks or something with him to like the Thunder or something, you know, in order to get him off the books. Those sort of trades, they're, they're usually bad contract for bad contract swaps. Like that's, you'd be getting a bad contract swap just to get a new player. Yeah, we, we would have to take somebody else bad in return in order to get rid of him. So I don't know, man. It's, what's crazy is like I thought Bertans was pretty good in Washington. I, I think they they definitely overpaid him. They made that mistake. But I mean, I remember liking Bertans. Like he had some good games for them in the playoffs, and he's he's you know sort of like a a three point shooting big man, which is the way the league is going. So I'm not completely writing him off as a bum or anything. I think he can be good. Just kind of the playoffs, he didn't get many minutes. Yeah, um, I think I think it's just more. It's not that he's a bad player. I think it's just more of a bad contract. Like he's definitely overpaid. I mean, we're we're talking Jalen Brunson might get 20 million, who's obviously way better than than Bertans, and that's only a four million difference. I mean, so yeah, the Mavericks are going to have a lot of work to do. Um, and then I know you, you mentioned, you know, with Brunson, you said that that wasn't the only, uh, you know, move that that should be the first move we make. But that wasn't the only move. Like, what were you referring to when you said, like, that we had other moves we need to make as well? Yeah, well, it, it depends on what the rest what happens in the rest of the NBA. But the priority number one, and I think you'd agree with me on this, is they have to get a big man to play with Luca, somebody um you know, that can take a little bit of pressure off him, but also, you know, that that's really where this team is lacking. They have three point shooters. That's really how they built this team. They're one of the, they're one of the teams that shoots the most threes in a year. Um, but which is fine and all, but they just, when Dorian Finney Smith and Dwight Powell, you know, are your big men and stuff, it, it leaves a lot to be desired. So I don't know if, the draft is the route they go. I'm not sure if they even have a first round pick, but yeah, um, but there it's, I think it's pick 26 or something like that. So it's pretty far down there. The odds of them being able to, you know, but what they, maybe what they could do, you know, we talked about moving Dinwiddie possibly, you know, maybe package Dinwiddie in that 26 pick or something and move up higher and get somebody. Um, Cause I think there are a lot of, I think this draft from what I've, seen so far is it's heavier it's it's pretty deep and it's heavier on big men than on guards i think uh so you know maybe that maybe that's what they look into you know i don't know because i would even though like denwitty's good and been a six guy i'd rather have a starting big man than a good six man you know um so yeah i I definitely agree with that A, a, a good big man that can you know guard the interior and grab those offensive rebounds like that that's really what they need for sure that's like after retaining Brunson that's their next biggest priority is you know getting a real big man in there that can actually help and they need to start playing Boban more obviously that's another problem like he didn't play a single minute in the playoffs like what are y'all doing you got a seven foot four monster back there just warming the bench <laughs> people think we're joking right now but I'm yeah just, I- agree with that i I, i'm assuming you're serious like yeah i I mean i was i was i was being a little jokey but at the same time like i'm surprised i mean obviously we're not saying 
he should be starting or you know playing 35 minutes a game or anything like that but just have him come off the bench and do some pick and rolls and you know even if he only plays like 10 to 15 minutes a game like he can he can be a he, solid player off the bench like yeah go ahead i was gonna say yeah he can bother people just with his size i mean like yeah he can't play very much because of how big he is but yeah, it's crazy to me that they didn't try and and throw that. I don't know if he was dealing with an injury, but I don't think that was the case. I saw him kind of dancing around before game five, you know, so <laughs> <laughs> he looked pretty fine to me. Like, yeah. So I don't know, man. Like, yeah, just have him do some pick and rolls with Luca or something. And I don't know, man, because I remember, like, we were doing, like, a DraftKings one time, like, early on in, like, the regular season or something, or maybe it was last year, and... I think I don't remember if we picked him or not, but I remember like he came in the game and he got like he only played a few minutes, but he got like four rebounds and six points in like three minutes. I was like, man, why? Why is he not playing more? I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, that's going to that'll wrap it up for the Mavericks. We're done co GMing for now. I mean, maybe this type of thing we'll address in the future. But uh, give us your thoughts, you know, in the comments. Let us know what you would do if you were the Mavericks. I guess real quick before we do move on long term i do worry that the mavericks are kind of stuck i don't know if they're really going to be able to get enough talent to make a difference because of their cap situation but if i had i don't know i don't know if i see them getting this far again in the playoffs next year um unless they're able to really get a big move like do you have any thoughts on that zach i disagree a little bit i think i think they're ahead of schedule you know, most people thought they'd lose before they did in the playoffs. Um, yeah, now that I don't disagree with. That that I agree with. And, and also, like, Luke is still extremely young. It's not like this is their their windows closed sort of deal. Um, and people are going to want to play with him. Like, I don't know if it'll happen, like, when it'll be. Probably not next year. But, like, Dallas could be one of those teams that – that a superstar disgrunt a future disgruntled superstar like wants to go to like I want to play with Luca. It's he could be like a you know a LeBron, a KD, a Steph Curry, one of those type of players for the 2020s. So I I think Dallas is just right now ahead of schedule, kind of like how the Warriors were um, before they went before they won their titles. You know they were making the playoffs, uh, but they weren't winning until they got, you know, all the pieces around them. So I, I'm optimistic for the Mavericks, not necessarily next year, but I think the gotcha. future. Yeah. yeah, I just, for me, they got to get some of these bad contracts off the book like that. Yeah. If they can somehow do that, then yes. But I just, I just worry they're stuck because I don't know how they're going to be able to get rid of some of these contracts. And then because of that, they're not going to really have the money to bring people in. So that's why I worry at least for next year, but yeah, I definitely think in the future, once you know some of these bad contracts are up and they, you know, then they're able to free up more money, then I can see it happening. But for next year, I, I don't know. I don't think they're going to have the same success, but we'll see. So now we're going to move on to the Miami Heat. Uh, we're not necessarily going to talk about um, their future per se. I think their roster is pretty solid going forward, but. There were some issues for me in Game 7 and just some of it at different points in the playoffs that happened. But 
Um, but especially in game seven, there were just a lot, a lot of problems here. Um, the first one I want to address. Okay. So we were co GMs, uh, for the Mavericks. Now we're going to be, you know, co coaches for, we're going to be Eric Spolstra's assistant coaches here. Uh, we'll start with Tyler hero down here on the bottom, but he had that, uh, groin injury he was dealing with and he, you know, missed a good amount of games there in the series. And then it was projected that he was going to he would still need at least a couple more weeks to recover, but he still tried to, you know, tough it out and played. And, but that ended up being a problem for Miami in game seven, more than anything. They really struggled with when he was out there, he didn't, I'm pretty sure he didn't make a single shot. He didn't take a ton of shots, but I don't think he made a single shot. He didn't impact the game, you know, defensively or anything. So, you know, let's rewind time. It's, you know, the day of game seven, the game hasn't started yet. You know, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but I really thought before the game started when I saw that he was playing that he shouldn't be out there. Um, do you agree with me on this, Zach? Or do you think Miami made the right call trying to get him out there? I think they made the right call trying for it. I think maybe they could have gotten him out a little bit sooner, but he only played six minutes here and his plus minus was a net zero. So it's not like when he was on the court, they, you know, had a 10 point run by Boston, but I do agree. It seemed like it was a little bit early, Um, but Miami was just so, and I don't blame them at the time because yeah, they won game six, but the games before that Boston won, their offense looked so bad. Like, they just needed, I think, some something different on offense. And ultimately, you know, the health um, came back to bite him. But uh, I don't mind giving it a try. I don't think it really cost them. Or Most people, I think, today aren't talking about uh, Tyler Hero and being like, oh, that's why they lost. Um, if they had had him healthy, maybe they would have won. But, you know, that's the land of what ifs. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, that's a different story. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that was like a big thing where it was like, oh, that that, that completely cost them the game or anything. But I do think it was a bit of a hindrance. Like, I mean, I know Duncan Robinson's basically like an older version of him. They're like almost the same player, like same style and everything. Like, I probably would have just had him play out there and, you know, maybe he hits a couple threes that he you know, missed or whatever, you know. I don't know. I just I just because I guess because of the injury being so significant in the sense that they were saying he probably really still needed two or three more weeks. And the fact that he was coming back, I I was worried about that. I felt like it was going to be rushed and that he wasn't going to have an impact on the game. I think if it was like, oh, maybe he it's to the point where it's day to day or something, then I would have been more OK with it. But I felt like they probably should have sat him. But um all right, moving on to the uh, kind of the theme here with them because of the the struggles that Hero had. The Heat also just struggled early on in the game. They let Boston get a big lead. They were committing a lot of turnovers, which was giving Boston a lot of fast break points. And on the top right on the YouTube screen here, you'll see Zach's favorite player on the Heat, uh, Kyle Lowry. He was a big part of that. He had two really early fouls, got in foul trouble, and wasn't making his shots early on. And had to get some kind of bailout flop calls from the ref to get to the free throw line to even really get anything going. But 
Um, but yeah, Zach, talk about the, you know, the other factors of the slow start and is Kyle Lowry a big person you're pinning the loss on, or I, do you give him more of a pass? What are your, what were your thoughts on this? I mean, uh, he definitely could have been better. I don't know if I'd pin the loss on him, but yeah, the, the fouls that he committed, you know, that's one of the things I always find wrong with him. And then the turnovers is a problem. Just the way he plays sometimes like the floppy, like when he tried to, um, force contact with Grant Williams and then he ended up falling down because he thought he was going to get a foul and then he had to call a timeout. Oh you yeah, know? that was big at the end of the game because they only yeah, they only had one timeout after that with like like that's six the or kind seven of, minutes left. Yeah, that's the kind of move that it's like um that he just you know it's a Kyle Lowry classic, you know, to do something like that. It, and I get it. He's short. That's how he has to play. He has to try and get any advantage he can because his height. But yeah, shooting, he was not, the whole t- team wasn't doing good shooting, but um, he's one that he jacks him up no matter what. You know, it doesn't really matter if he misses his first three, he's going to keep shooting them. And I think that's really what, what hurt him the most and cost them. Yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, especially in that first quarter, like we talked about the slow start, it really felt like Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler were the only players that showed up in the first quarter. I mean, I I think out of their points that they had that Butler and Adebayo accounted for, like, not all of them, but pretty close. I mean, that's pretty bad. So, you know, obviously you want your relying on your top two players to, you know, get the majority of the points, but not almost all of the points. You know, you need your role players to hit those kickout threes or, you know, hit their free throws. I think Miami was like 10 of 18. They had a lot of free throws in the first half, but they were only like 10 of 18 at one point. So, you know, it's bad when you're missing your free throws too. I mean, think of how close this game was at the end. If they make a few more of those free throws, then that's a big difference. So that was a problem there. But then the biggest thing that everybody's talking about, uh, saved it for last, was Jimmy Butler's transition uh, three-point attempt when the Heat were down two. Uh, I guess there was probably like what a minute left in the game or so when this happened. Like it was no, no. There was like this shot was with like right seconds left. It was the final possession, pretty much. Okay, that's yeah. It was on like okay. I was on like the final thirty seconds. I didn't realize it was quite that late, but yeah, it was near the very end of the game. Heater going for the tie or to get the lead, and Butler was coming in transition. I've got the shot the picture on YouTube of when it happened. He had Al Horford on him. He probably could have driven by him and, you know, got an easy layup or dunk or something, uh, you know, to get the tie, but he opts to shoot the three, uh, which he misses Boston rebounds. And then Miami fouls and Boston makes their free throws, which basically clinches the game. But I know we talked about this in our group chat a little bit and like how, grave of a mistake do you think this was like do you think it was like really really critical or were you okay with him at all like is there any angle where like you're okay with him taking this shot um how do you feel about butler's decision here to shoot this three yeah it's to me it's i kind of i really go back and forth on it i i really think he should have 
taken the two. Um, I think he, he could have gone by Horford and got himself a layup or, you know, to the free throw line. And I think that would have been the smarter play. But I can also see the angle where it's like, you know, he's had a great game so far and this would be for the for the win. People were saying that the 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 heat were tired, you know, they were they're all banged up with these injuries and stuff and they needed to win in regulation. They didn't want to go to overtime, but I mean they were dominating the last two minutes of the game. The Celtics had like a eleven point lead that got cut down to two in like a minute and a half. It was crazy what they were able to do there. But so I, I think he should I disagree. I don't think he should have taken the three, but I mean, if he makes it, then, you know, we're just talking about how great it was. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with you that I do think in the technical aspect that it was the wrong thing to do, but, you know, but, as, you know, as a person who like, I respect athletes that go for it though. And, you know, especially like when you're the best player on the team and you have a, chance to take an open shot to get the lead like i i'm okay with it like i i can live with it you know like i said it probably wasn't the right thing to do but i'm not you know if i'm a heat fan i'm not like dude what are you doing why do you do that like, i would i i would respect that's the i would Lowry. if that had been what? Kyle, i was saying that's not if that had been kyle lowry i would have been i would have said you know much more different things about it <laughs> yeah, yeah like try to yeah but other than butler like it had to be him to do that and also when he when the play was developing and he got to this point like i knew that's what he was doing when i saw the what what it was shaping up to look like even before he got in this sh- shooting motion i knew he was shooting a three there i i i just knew it yeah plus al horford was so far off of him like he because Al Horford didn't want him to drive on him. So cause I think that's what Al Horford was probably expecting him to do. So uh, Horford was backed up pretty far, too. So Butler knew he was going to be able to take it uncontested. But, man, that was just crazy moment, crazy moment. I, I did see a lot of people that were, like, just bashing him all over Twitter, and I didn't quite get that. I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe it wasn't the right thing to do, but, like, you can't blame him. And he straight up carried them the whole game, like especially in the first quarter. Like I said, he was the he was him and Bam were the only ones getting any points in the first quarter, and he literally played all forty eight minutes of the game. I mean, how I don't get how you can blame him for something like this. Like it's not like he chucked the ball into the crowd or something, you know, and <laughs> did something stupid. Like he took a shot and he almost made it, you know. But all right, but now we'll get into what everybody's been waiting for. Here we are going to go on to the. Uh, why is my there we go. I was like, why is my slide not working? There we go. We've got the NBA finals up here. Uh, just a couple things to talk about. Uh, and then we'll do our predictions at the end. Um, we've got a two obviously big superstars in this matchup between uh, Steph Curry and Jason Tatum. Uh, Steph Curry and a lot of the Warriors players have been here before. They've done this a few times. You know, Jason Tatum and the Celtics, it's their first finals, like, for any of them. Um, but, so, Zach, I'll have you talk about uh, Steph Curry's legacy here. You know, he's been a part of the Warriors championship teams, but he's never won a finals MVP before. 
Um, if the Warriors do win this series and Steph Curry wins the MVP, uh, how much do you think this, you know, vaults him up the legacy board? And then if the if the Warriors do win and he doesn't get the finals MVP or if the Warriors lose, do you think this hurts him at all? Uh, just give me your overall thoughts on what could happen with Steph's legacy here. So I'll just start with, I don't, unless he's like absolutely terrible in the finals, I don't think there's any way he gets his legacy is hurt. If let's say they win the finals, but clay, you know, goes on some monster games and gets the MVP. I don't think that hurts his legacy. It just doesn't help him as much as the the finals MVP would. Um, And if Boston wins, like they're losing to a really good team. So it's not like, um, I don't know. Let me try and think of like the, whoever the eight seed was like the Atlanta Hawks, you know, it's not like they're losing to the Atlanta Hawks in the finals. Um, So, but on the flip side, I think if he does get the MVP, finals MVP here, I think for him, it would do more than pretty much anybody. Um, You know, he's got the three rings. He's got the two-time MVPs. You know, he was a unanimous MVP. Lots of records he holds with three-point shooting in the playoffs, the regular season. Um but the one thing he's missing is the finals MVP. So I think if he gets that, I don't, you know, we did a, um, an NBA players of all time drafts like a year or two ago. Um, that was fun. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. But like, I, I do think if we had known it, like if we go back in time and, and we know he gets finals MVP in 2022, I think, he goes a round or two earlier and then that's, you know, passing guys like Larry Bird, you know, Magic Johnson, you know, Bill Russell, those sort of players. It's like, I think he gets in the conversation, you know, not the LeBron Jordan conversation, but the, you know, the, the group of guys after that. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I I can agree with that. Um, I, Unless, like, he's playing well, but, like I said, like, if Clay or somebody just goes crazy and wins MVP, then I don't think it hurts him. But if he just, if he does come out, if he plays flat in the series and, like, gets carried to a championship, I can see it maybe slightly hurting him. But but I agree that overall, I don't think he's going to get hurt too much unless he just plays absolutely terrible. Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum for Boston, you got this you know, young player in Jason Tatum and... I think if Boston wins the championship and you know Tatum gets the MVP, that's going to be huge for him because you know we've talked about we've compared guys like him and you know Devin Booker and you know Giannis to a point you know of these guys where it's like man okay they're young they're talented they they look really good but we haven't you know, seen him get it done in the big moments yet. And then last year we saw Giannis break through that. You know, we saw him finally put, you know, great playoff series, you know, back to back together. And it culminated in the finals when they came back from 0-2 down and Giannis had that 50 point game and won the finals MVP. And now like 
people just, you know, obviously revere how great Giannis is. And he finally was able to back up those two like regular season MVPs and everything. And Jason Tatum's another guy where we've kind of felt the same thing. It's like, okay, obviously this guy's really good. He's really talented, but you know, we haven't seen him get it, you know, done in the big moments yet, but I wouldn't say he's had an elite playoff so far, but he's definitely had a very good playoff so far. And he's obviously, you know, one of the biggest reasons why Boston is here. And I think if he, if Boston wins and he wins the MVP, you know, obviously, you know, say we're not putting him in a goat conversation or anything like that yet, but I think this just would be fantastic for him you know, going forward. And I think people will, instead of just looking at him as it's like, Oh, he's this guy that can put up numbers and do stuff like that. People will look at him more as like, okay, this guy's a leader. This guy can win, you know, he can get the job done for a team. Like, uh, would you agree with me on that? Or do you think maybe I'm hyping it a little too much? No, I, I think it's, I think you're spot on. And also too, just like, if you look at how he's going to have got, if he does end up with the finals MVP, I mean, the first round he plays incredible with the game winning shot in like game one mm-hmm. against Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, two champions, you know, Kyrie won in Cleveland, Katie's won in Golden State. And then round two, the defending champions, Bucks, wins a game seven, you know, has a huge performance there. Um, critical for them they came back in the series they they were losing three to two he wins game six and game seven for them and then this third round here the road team against the heat the number one seed you know the heat are obviously a great team so just and then the golden state warriors who have won three titles in the past 10 years like beating steph curry clay draymond the you know team that ruled the nba for you know, for an eternity. I just think those accomplishments of the teams that he beats, I think would put him in the conversation of like one of the best playoff runs of all time. Honestly, I don't, and I don't know what that list would look like, you know, from some of the years, you know, before I started watching basketball, but in my memory of watching basketball, I mean, yeah, he's had help. He's got a team around him and stuff, but he's the he's for sure the main guy. And I can't remember a team that would have gone through as much firepower as Tatum and the Celtics have gone through to get to this point. You know, usually there's a cupcake or two in the playoffs that you you end up playing. Yeah, no, yeah, they definitely had no cupcakes with uh, Brooklyn sliding down to the seventh seed. I mean. You know, and it, and as the Warriors are favored. We're going to get to our predictions and stuff at the end, but they've definitely had a much easier road to get here than Boston has. I mean, I don't like I said. I could, there's definitely like playoff performances I can think of, or like playoff runs where like maybe statistically and some clutch performances and stuff that were better than this. But there's not very many runs I can think of where a team had to go through you know that hard of a road to get to the finals. I mean. You know, a Brooklyn Nets team with two superstars on it, the defending champs and the one seed. I mean, that's that's crazy. And then, you know, like I said, if they beat the Warriors, you know, a, a dynasty team, I mean, that it'll be pretty amazing for Tatum and Boston if uh, if they win this. So 
those are definitely the like big picture, like legacy things to look at. Now we're going to talk about uh, who we think are our biggest X factors now. So we're going to move on from the stars, but obviously they're going to be pivotal Curry and Tatum, you know, to, for their teams, but you know, big factors, but also, you know, we've got these, you know, there's role players, there's other starters, there's other players that are going to have to make a difference. You know, nobody can do it all by themselves. So, um, Zach, I've got your biggest X factor on the YouTube screen here. So tell us uh, who you picked and why for biggest X factor. Yeah, I picked uh, Marcus Smart as my biggest X factor. Um, I think he's going to be key for the Celtics. He's got to shoot the ball well. Um, you know, I if he can get 20 to 20, you know, in the 20s with his point total, That'd be great for the Celtics. I think that's huge. Um, but then defensively, too, the Warriors have such a good offense. I mean, they can they easily score well into the hundreds. Um, so he's got to be able to shut down either Clay or Steph. You know, and, and he has a great opportunity. I think he was defensive player of the year, right? He was. Um, yeah, he so was the first he, guard to win it in a long time. So, yeah. No it's pressure on him. Rudy Gobert gets it somehow every year. <laughs> but yeah, so he, I think for a defensively wise, he's going to be an X factor. And also too, that's kind of what an X factor is. It's not necessarily, you know, who scores the most points or who has the best game. It's about who does something that you don't expect or you don't think about. It's not the first thing you think about. You know, Steph Curry's three-point shooting, Tatum's remarkable shots. Um, his Marcus Smart's defense, to me, is is the one aspect where that's something that is definitely, I think, going to decide the series. There's no way Boston wins without him being uh, a defensive player of the year for him. Yeah, I, I agree with that because whether he's guarding Steph or Clay, if if he's letting them hit a bunch of threes, then it's game over. Like when, when Steph and Clay get hot, that's it's over. Like you, you can't let that happen. Um, so I, de- I can, I definitely agree with that. Um, for the warriors, uh, Connor and I, uh, we asked Connor before the episode who he, uh, who he picked. And I also had picked the same guy. So we both have Andrew Wiggins as our X factors, you know, cause I just talked about, you know, Steph and Clay, like, you know, when they get hot that they're hard to beat, but, you know, there's going to be times eventually where, you know, one or both of them, you know, may struggle. And Andrew Wiggins needs to be that guy to step up because, you know, Draymond Green and Kev- Kevon Looney will probably be the other starters for Golden State. You know, they're not known for their, you know, offensive willpower. They're more known for their defense, for their rebounding and like Draymond's a passer and stuff like that. But they're not scorers. So, if Steph or Clay like do start to struggle, you know, like Wiggins needs to be the guy to step up. And not only that, you know, there's probably going to be a good chance that Tatum will be guarding him would be my guess. Uh, or possibly like Grant Williams might be on him. You know, Boston's a really good defensive team. So he's definitely going to have somebody, you know, good at defense matched up against him. And he can't go cold. He can't be quiet. You know, if, that could be a concern for the Warriors. If Andrew Wiggins were to only get like six to eight points a game or something like, you know, that could, that could be a problem for them going forward. So 
that's why I picked Andrew Wiggins, just because he he's going to need to step up. Like Zach talked about with Marcus Smart, you know, like getting into the twenties, you know that that's really what you're you're going to want from Andrew Wiggins as well. Like he's going to need to get in that low low to mid twenties number per game, I think, uh, at, at least at the high teens at the worst. So, um, but now we, we've got our legacy talk, we've got our X factors, like what teams need to do to win. Obviously. Yeah, you know, the teams need to score more points than the other team to win. That's the biggest factor. Yeah. <laughs> Break down the obvious. <laughs> Pull my John Madden card out. You have to out. win four games out of seven. <laughs> yeah, you have to win four games before the other team wins four games uh, if you want to win. That's the key. But <laughs> uh, but so with that being said, we're gonna uh, we'll go into our predictions here, uh, just like with the X factor. Uh, we talked to Connor and he gave us his thoughts. And so he's going uh, Warriors and six. And I am also going Warriors and six. Uh, Zach, what about you? I'm going Warriors and seven. Gotcha. So nobody's taking Boston here, but notice like none of us picked like Golden State to sweep them or anything. Like we, we think this is definitely going to be a good series. I, my biggest reason for picking golden state to win is uh my two biggest reasons uh one i think they're just like they're just way too hot of a team right now i they've just been firing on all cylinders and i i do think both of these teams have really good depth but i do like golden state's depth a little bit better i think they can rotate guys in more and out whereas boston's gonna have to stick with a lot of the same people and I also just worry for Boston that they're going to be too tired going into this. I mean, they swept the Nets in the first round, but they've played two seven-game series back-to-back now. So I I just – and they've also had a lot of you know nagging injuries, like Marcus Smart had the ankle injury, and Robert Williams has been having a knee, knee soreness injury that he's been dealing with, and – the the Celtics are a little banged up going into this as well, whereas the Warriors are, as far as I know, healthy. I don't think, other than like Andre Iguodala, I don't think they have anybody questionable or anything. So um, those are my biggest reasons why I'm taking the Warriors here. Zach, do you have any uh, other reasons to add to that as to why you picked Golden State? No, that those are pretty much all the things. I think... Um predictions for players and stuff i i think it's going to be high scoring i think the games will be honestly as bad as it sounds i think it's going to be kind of like heat and celtics where some of the games are very lopsided but ultimately the series goes seven games um and i think i'll say steph wins finals mvp but uh, it's not going to be like, oh, it's for sure him. I think Clay's going to have some huge games for them for them to win, and so Clay will get consideration for that. Um, but yeah, it, it should be fun. Um, I'm just worried. I, I really hope these games themselves are close. Not necessarily like I want the series to to go seven also, but I want the games themselves to to have drama. Like yeah, you, you don't you don't want every game to be decided by 20 points and it's yeah. over by the third quarter, you know, like because then that's that's not any fun to watch. So, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, I know we made our predictions. I didn't think to ask Connor who he's going for, but um, I, if I had to 
if I had to guess, I'd say he's probably going for Golden State would be my guess. But um, but I know Zach and I are rooting for Boston, uh, mainly for Grant Williams, because Zach and I are Tennessee fans. And Grant Williams was a big part of the Tennessee Volunteers basketball organization. So normally, like the Northeastern teams, like the Bostons and New Yorks and Phillies and stuff like that, I don't root for. But I'm, I'm going to root for Boston in this. I, I I like some of their players too. I'm a fan of Jason Tatum's game, and I like I'm pretty cool with Jalen Brown and stuff. So I do like some of their players too. But Grant Williams specifically is like my biggest reason for rooting for them. So if I get this finals prediction wrong, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be upset about that. But uh, I guess just before we wrap this up here, is that, do you have any other thoughts on why you're rooting for Boston or any other thoughts on the series before we wrap it up? Yeah, well, I'm just going to be rooting for uh, my prize plays or prize picks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whatever yeah, we gets will, me we will be doing, We will be doing some prize picks. We just started doing that. I don't know yeah. like if we'll make any videos on that in the future because we're still pretty new at it. But, uh, yeah, there will definitely be some prize picks going on. I agree with that. Yep. But, yeah, Grant, it's cool to see him develop into a solid contributor for them. It's not like he's, you know, just a cheerleader on the bench. Like, he's a he's a legit player for them. So, uh, it's cool to see, and I hope he does well. But mainly, like, I I mainly just hope it's I, – I really just want good games in a seven-game series. Like, that, that to me, more so than who wins it, is what I'm rooting for the most. Gotcha. Gotcha. I can feel that. All right, guys. Well, before last thing before we wrap this up, unfortunately uh, for Connor at the time of the recording, his Carolina Hurricanes game that we mentioned at the start, they are down two to zero near the end of the first period here. So uh, Connor's Hurricanes are going to need to step it up here. I, I know like Zach and I have been kind of talking about, you know, who would the lightning rather face and stuff, but just, for between the hurricanes and rangers but for me as a you know fan on the outside looking in i really want carolina to win this series like one because they're playing a new york team which i don't like new york teams like i just said but not only that uh if carolina wins and that means in the next round it's going to be connor's team versus zach's team and i really want to see that feud and rivalry in the group chat and stuff so i'm, I'm going for carolina here but <laughs> they, they they need to step it up so they're down i know connor would agree with me here they're down two to zero but all right guys I, I hope that, you, go ahead i hope you don't give him ptsd when he listens back to this if they lose oh no this. oh no if i do i'm sorry connor sorry in advance but <laughs> but um <laughs> All right, you guys. Well, that's going to wrap the episode up here again. You know, like I said earlier, we've been for those of the we I know we've been getting new viewers. Our viewership's been going up. So uh, we're grateful to all the new viewers, everybody that subscribed recently. And um, we'll, we're definitely going to be continuing to dish out the content. Zach and I were talking about some possible future ideas and we'll get Connor in on it after his hockey game and stuff. We'll be discussing our future but we're definitely going to be bringing out a lot more content like we've been doing so hope you guys enjoy that subscribe if you haven't already uh you can follow us on twitter at clutch crew sport uh my individual twitter handle is at ranting co-host zach i will let you provide your twitter handle my twitter is at guacfo life that's right like guacamole faux 
F-O life. <laughs> and then Connors is at Mr. Dog 54 So give us all follows. We've been trying to tweet more often, too. So, all right, guys. Well, that'll wrap it up. Hope you enjoyed it. And, uh, Zach, I will let you give your closing line here. All right, guys. Remember, be clutch. Peace.